Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. It's September 1st. I'm your host, Gabriela Silva-Ponte. Today, we'll be covering stories from Doug Ford's support for Housing Minister Steve Clark amid rising criticism, to a young musician making headlines, to the CCPA's call to abolish GST and HST on counseling services. But first, let's take a look at today's top news. Ontario Premier Doug Ford is supporting Minister of Housing Steve Clark to remain in his role. This comes a day after the province's Integrity Commissioner recommended that Clark see consequences for his part in the Greenbelt project. The report said Clark failed to properly oversee the process of which protected Greenbelt lands were selected for housing development and in doing so allowed private developers to impact the project. In an unrelated news conference, Ford said, Minister Clark is part of our team and will continue to be part of our team. And he added, at the end of the day, I'm not happy with the process, we're changing the process, but I have to build these homes, and we're going to continue to build the 1.5 million homes in every corner of this province. I'm responsible for everything that happens in the province, and I always make sure we hold our caucus and our ministers accountable to follow the mandate that we gave them. In a different news conference, Clark apologized for not providing, quote, sufficient oversight over his former chief of staff, who has since resigned. The housing minister said, To Ontarians, I want to apologize very sincerely that I did not. The Greenbelt project has been under significant criticism from Canadians and the opposition. Earlier this year, a report published by Ontario's Auditor General found that certain property developers were favoured and that the housing project would not necessarily improve the housing crisis in the province. It gave several recommendations for improvement. CBC reports since then, Clark's Chief of Staff, Ryan Amato, has resigned. The RCMP is also considering if it will open an investigation into the project. Ontario Liberal Party leader John Fraser criticized Clark for not resigning during the news conference. He said, What he did was wrong. What he did was fail the people of Ontario, and he should have stepped down today. NDP leader Merritt Stiles also called for Clark's resignation in a statement, saying, Ontarians deserve so much better than fake apologies. His words are meaningless without any action to back them up. The statement also read, Ontarians have lost all trust in this minister, and he needs to go. And Green Party leader Mike Schreiner agreed, saying, We cannot trust this government to deliver accountability to the people of Ontario. Ford also said he, quote, won't hesitate to put back in land owned by developers if housing is not built. CBC reports he said that the criticism surrounding the project that, quote, everyone is making such a big deal about is a, quote, sliver compared to other people's issues. He said, there's hundreds of thousands of people that don't have homes. When we have a housing crisis, we have two options. We sit back like the other government did and let the province fall apart, or we move forward and build homes. Metro workers who had been striking at 27 stores in the Greater Toronto Area for a month have a new collective agreement. The workers are represented by Unifor and more than 3,700 of them have been on strike since July 29th. CBC reports they had been asking for the return of a quote, hero pay they received during the pandemic 
as well as better working conditions and more full-time jobs. They had rejected the first tentative agreement recommended by their bargaining committee, CBC reports. But since then, they have voted to ratify a second tentative deal. Unifor spokesperson Paul White said in a statement that the new deal will give all workers an immediate raise of $1.50 an hour. CBC reports full-time and senior part-time workers will get a $2 per hour pay increase within months. Unifor National President Lana Payne said, This is a historic collective agreement that sets a new bar for grocery store workers. She added, It was achieved thanks to our members' perseverance and unwavering solidarity, as well as incredible community support. The Competition Bureau has approved the Royal Bank of Canada's proposed acquisition of HSBC Bank Canada. The Bureau said the deal isn't likely to majorly affect the competition in the banking industry. But CTV News reports it did say that the financial services market in Canada does remain concentrated. The review conducted by the Competition Bureau considered a variety of sources, including over 1,500 submissions from Canadians. The finance minister will now use the approval in the decision-making process of giving RBC full approval to proceed with the deal. CTV reports RBC announced the proposed takeover back in November of 2022, priced at $13.5 billion. Oprah Winfrey and Dwayne Johnson announced a new fund yesterday. The People's Fund of Maui will provide adults who were not able to return to their primary residences due to the recent wildfires $1,200 per month. CP24 reports this will include those that rented homes. Applicants must show a government ID and utility bill in their name to qualify for the fund. Winfrey and Johnson are still looking for donations to ensure the fund helps as many as possible. Winfrey and Johnson pledged a total of $10 million that will go towards the direct payments to people on Maui. Winfrey was seen visiting an emergency shelter on Maui days after the wildfires hit. She lives on Maui herself part-time. CP24 reports at least 115 people were killed in the fires. The fire took over the Lahaina town on August 8th and is considered the deadliest in the U.S. in more than 10 years. In Thursday's announcement, Winfrey and Johnson said they conferred with, quote, community elders, leaders, and residents, providing a long list of names. The announcement also said the Entertainment Industry Fund would be sponsoring the People's Fund of Maui. The Entertainment Industry Fund is a Los Angeles-based nonprofit that seeks to help celebrities with their charitable work. Meanwhile, Vinon is a young artist from Scarborough who has recently accomplished a record label signed for distribution with Empire. The record label is commonly known for artists such as Kendrick Lamar and Temptation. His music has also made it to the NBA 2K21 soundtrack, and he was even asked to perform at Young Dundas Square for Kothu Fest. Finan told me about his experience with music and how where he is from and his age have impacted him. Honestly, I was just always bullied ever since a little kid. I was always left out. People didn't really include me in anything. But like I had no purpose in my life. I was really through a depression state of mind. I had bad mental health problems since like grade one. Like I was bullied since time. 
Um, and then I just kind of used music to, you know, let out all my um, trauma. Some things I was going through, I just put it out through music. Um, I'd, I'd find it, um, like, I find happiness in, like, singing other people's songs, making covers. I used to be inspired by, like, Drake all the time, like, on TV and stuff. Um, at that time, I didn't think of making my own music, but I was more so, like, I wanted to do covers and, you know, start singing lessons and see how things go. Um, and after I got into the outlet, I felt more, um, like, happy. Like, in general, my mental health was better. Um, and I started making more friends ever after that. And it was just honestly a, an outlet to, you know, let out my my depression and stuff. At one point, I even thought about suicide and stuff, but it was a very dark place for me as a human being. But I'm, I'm proud that, you know, I worked past that, and now I'm where I am right now. My parents are like, you know, my mom is from India, my dad's from Sri Lanka, right? So... I mean, they kind of like fled the war and stuff uh, to come here as immigrants. Um, so they've been through a lot of trauma too. Um, but they don't know like anything about hip hop. Um, it's you know it's not our culture, right? So when it comes to music and I'm making some some another culture or like music from a different culture, um, you know they don't kind of take me seriously. You know, um, I told my parents about you know getting my music in the soundtrack in 21, and they were like, oh, wow. <laughs> like you know like it's not like oh wow like it was just like you know like they don't they don't know uh like those names they don't even know what nba is they still support me 100 percent um when i first started music they were also helping me fund my passion like music videos um studio time like i wasn't working back then so you know what? they came out of their pockets um they were doing it for my happiness but they just it's like they still support me but it's just kind of like like you know brown parents you can't make a career out of music that's this is something that they think of like arts and stuff. They're heavily like looked upon as like oh like you you drop out. You know what I mean? That's that's how they look at it. I feel like if I reach to a point in my life where I'm actually making some good money, um, you know, I can actually carry myself and you know maybe a family and stuff. And I feel like they kind of understand. But right now, at the you know, in their perspective, they just think that I'm not gonna make that much money. So, I mean, being brown, people kind of just kind of look at you differently, I would say, when it comes to, like, making music. Come on, like, like um, when I first started, like, I was, like, doing hip-hop music, everyone was making fun of me because, like, you know, it's not my culture. You know, people told me to quit. People told me to, like, you know, like, leave this world. Like, people were always putting me down. And I felt like being young, the only advantage that I had on people was my age, right? I had a lot of time on my hands. And before that, like before I was 16 and stuff, like around when I was 16, like 15, um, you know, I would waste my time just, you know, like watching TV at home or like, you know, talking to like women online, like people from my school. I was always like, I was always trying to do what other people in my school were doing. And then I kind of just, you know, I was kind of lost as an individual and it kind of just, it hit me hard as the pandemic hit and, you know, I just kind of stayed indoors. I didn't go out and all I had was a uh, all I did was I bought a mic um, on Amazon with my parents money I started recording music at home on my airpods um I started grinding like like learning how to record music learning how to write your own music um you know I started studying documentaries I started looking at Drake started seeing how the first song that most artists make I started watching like Drake 
like weekend, you know, I started kind of like studying them basically. And then after that, I just kind of had more experience or not more experience, but more time. Right. So I definitely used my time to my advantage. I feel like being young, that was the one thing that I had like, like my advantage over like many artists that have, you know, been like they're probably like 21, 22 starting music. So I had that ex extra experience um, and more opportunities open to me because I was young. People kind of saw a little potential in me because like I was starting out. And at that time when I first started making music or like even right now, I'm probably like one of the only like people from my ethnicity that that's actually like made it. I'm not like, I'm not trying to like, I'm not like bragging or anything. I'm just saying like, you know, in general, like I have so much, um, I have so many ch achievements that I've made that kind of just, you know, kind of pushed me further um, when it comes to these artists that are just starting out. Um, and yeah, like I said, when I first started out music, I was actually one of the only people from my ethnicity that was making, like, you know, music at that time, especially hip hop music. So people started looking at me because I was their race and because I was the only one that was doing it from, you know, Scarborough, from Toronto. So people were like, it was more exposure, 100% you know, being young and also um, getting those achievements at a young age. Vinin recently signed a distribution deal with record label Empire. Um, I didn't get like a publishing deal. It's more so a distribution deal. Um, how it works is like I get to distribute my music um, like through them, basically. Um, it was an honor. Um, how it came apart was uh, I was always tapped in with like, A&Rs, like, people that were part of record labels were always, like, kept an eye on me Um, since, like, I used to have my music in uh, the 2K21 soundtrack for NBA, um, you know, stuff like that. And, like, people just kept their eye on me. They wouldn't message me back then, but, you know, like, they wanted to see how everything is going. And um, honestly, it's, it's a proud moment. I feel like people from my background, especially being, like, brown, um, we don't get opportunities in, like, the music industry, like, like you know, that easily so i feel like it's definitely um a great opportunity because i'm not only representing myself but like a whole community right so people that want to make it and they couldn't make it they kind of still like i'm kind of like speaking on behalf of everyone and i feel like there's um a lot of um there's a lot of power in that i guess that's why i have to like you know move a certain way and every move is calculated but yeah it was definitely a proud moment and at just 16 years old, Vinan made it onto the NBA 2K21 game's soundtrack. Um, when I was actually first studying music, it was 16. I was around 16 years old. Um, I used to be with a record label, but now they're a distributor. They were called United Masters. Um, but they signed, like, Anneli Choppa during that time, like, era. Like, I think when he dropped, like, Shot of Flow around that era. Um, with like blue face and stuff i was making music around that time and um i actually was a part of their like beta program when Lee chopper was signed since i was like one of their first artists to like be in that platform they gave me opportunities that i could reach out to like like get my music on espn tsn like um get my music in like a soundtrack and stuff so being 16, I always thought of, like, NBA, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I play basketball myself. Like, I used to coach and stuff. I, I just still do coaching, um, like, mentorship programs with, like, the Raptors and stuff. You know, like, through that outlet, I always was inspired by basketball as well. Like, 
taking my height and stuff, right? So I, th I was like, you know, like I wanted to really be a part of basketball soundtrack. That'd be amazing. So I kind of just, you know, went about my day and kind of like stepped out of my comfort zone to like think about like, you know, what kind of music makes it into the so those soundtracks. And all starts with the beat it itself, right? So, so, you know, thinking like thinking about it, beat, putting it together. And I, I remember um, I made the song on the last day of submission. I, and I submitted on the last day um, with my engineer. So I submitted it and the next day I got sent like a contract. It was a great opportunity because I get like sync, sync licensing opportunity. Like every time your song gets played in the game, you know, you, you get some sort of royalty from that. So that that's amazing. It opened more opportunities to myself. I got to reach out to more like experienced artists. I feel like it was a stepping stone and opening to new doors and opportunities that wouldn't have had. So um, I just felt like overall my fan base was slightly growing. It was definitely a huge stepping stone. I'm super grateful for it because without that exposure, that worldwide exposure, I wouldn't wouldn't have built some sort of fan base. More recently, he performed at Kothu Fest at Young and Dundas Square. We have a streaming platform online. It's called Play Me. Um, one of um creators, the founder and the creator is actually someone from my race, so they actually wanted me to release music through their platform. So I was like, I right, why why not? You know, I'm just releasing my music. So um, that opportunity kind of led down to the top ten artists from that um audio streaming platform, but I actually get to perform at Young and Dundas Square. So um, I was actually like top ten for sure, uh, and then you know people were. Like, I feel like I have a huge, huge impact in, like, the Tamil community and the, like, Indian community. So I felt like, you know, that, that helped me push my music. And then, you know, I went in Young and Dundas Square. Um, it was, I think it was August 13th. It's like, Kota Fest happens, like, every year. So it's definitely um, a great opportunity. It was, like, a huge stage. I was kind of afraid at first when I saw the crowd. There's, like, so much, so many people like me. So many aunties, uncles, you know, little kids. Um, they're like, it was a packed, packed, like right in front of the eating center. I didn't try to make any eye contact with anyone because as soon as I make eye contact, I know I would like, you know, blank out, right? So kind of, it was definitely my first experience of um, stage fright um, when it comes to a big crowd. It was, it was, it was an amazing experience. I felt like a lot of people started coming up to me. I also threw out some free merch. Um, I got the crowd super engaged. Uh, I also put up um, a video on Vivo, um, like on YouTube, um, you know, just like the live version of it. So, you know, people, other people that couldn't be able to make it can actually see it. He pointed to a new album, GTA 6's soundtrack, and opening act for Jay Critch as some of his upcoming achievements. And Vinan left off with a piece of advice for artists looking to get to where he is now. Be yourself, be authentic. Um, there's nobody else like you in this world. And there will no no one else will ever be someone like you. So, you know, always be yourself, be authentic to the person you are. I feel like when you're more authentic to what's meaningful to you, people will actually like resonate with you and connect with you. Another thing I, I would that kind of ties into that is be consistent. I know it's hard when you start as a musician. People are going to talk. People are going to put you down, kind of just going past those, um, you know, those obstacles and, you know, just keep going. Because one thing that one one person always told me that's um, shout out to Bavi, 
one thing that one person that always told me was um if you keep trying you might even make it but if you don't try then you'll never make it so you know it's just that that quote that kind of kept me going so if you keep going just know one day something's gonna happen in your life or like in your path something's gonna be laid down and you can take the opportunity but they're going to be definitely tough times where people are putting you down and things are not working out you're not getting streams on your music people are not listening to your music uh you know you you have no money to fund your music you know there's going to be times like that but you know it's just looking past those times and keep going that's all Finally, the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association is calling for the federal government to abolish GST and HST tax on counseling services. I spoke with Director of Public Affairs at the CCPA, Lindsay Thompson, who explained the premises of the call. Yeah, absolutely. So CCPA, that is the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association, and we are a national association that represents over 13,000 mental health counselors, Canadian certified uh, counselors, psychotherapists, and counseling therapists. I use these different titles. This is actually really important to why this, this campaign has been going on so long is because these different titles represent the same profession of providing talk therapy and counseling services, but the titles actually just differ depending on what province that you're located in, whether that province has regulated the practice and the service of psychotherapy or not. Um, so CCPA has actually been advocating for the removal of GST and HST from uh, mental health services for counseling therapists and psychotherapists actually since 2015. So it's been a really long run, but we're really maintaining hope and maintaining our energy um, as we before the you know the next 2025 election. Um, but so we've been advocating for this for a long time, and I guess where a little bit more attention started was uh, September of last year in 2022. We launched a new campaign with some push politics, you know, that's sending the letter out to your MP, and we also had a national petition. And so this petition was open for six months, um, maybe a little bit shorter. Um, it, it closed in, in January of 2023, and we actually had over 14,000 signatures from people across Canada. So initially when we started in uh, September of 2022, we had the support from uh, NDP uh, Member of Parliament, Lindsay Matheson. And um, so she was the one who actually brought this issue and like was able to get it into government to be talked about. And this was originally created with um, the excise tax, so it was Bill C-218. But in terms of being able to bring in new topics for discussion into the House of Commons, there was this list of precedents or this order. Um, there's many rules around this order and how that created, but we were pretty low down on the list. So we were concerned that, okay, you know what, let's continue to advocate and, and meet with different members of parliament from all parties, or we're nonpartisan, of course, right? So let's continue to meet with different members of parliament so that we can continue to get the word out there and to educate and to garner more support. Because for us, it's not just, it's not party specific when it comes to mental health, that affects all of us across Canada, right? And so with that, through our continued efforts, we're actually able to connect with um, MP Dr. Stephen Ellis, um, and so he's the, he was at the time a shadow minister for health. And so he said, you know what, I, I will do the same thing. I will create a new private member's bill. He was higher up in the line of, you know, new information to be brought into the House of Commons to be discussed. And so we were actually able 
to get into the house um, for summer summer session hits. So we're actually able to have it uh, brought to the House of Commons uh, twice for what's called first and second reading. Um, so in terms of the, the order of the, the process of how things have to happen, we have to have three readings, and then if that goes through the vote, then it can go up to the Senate to be created into, for the, you know, the private members bill to be created into a law. So that brings us to uh, spring of, of 2023. We are hoping to have the, the third reading before the House, you know, kind of closed for the summer, um, but unfortunately we, we didn't. They did have a chance uh, to discuss it. I think the House ended up um, closing, you know, a, a day or two before we were next on that list. Um, and so we said, you know what, like, let's, let's continue these efforts. We're going to, you know, kind of regroup, look at our strategy over the course of the summer, and then really hit the ground running come September. And then just recently, um, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau announced a big cabinet shuffle, right? There's a significant amount of changes um, within the ministers. I believe only eight of them remained in their, their current position at the time, and all the other ones shifted around, including um, the, the Honorable uh, Minister Carolyn Bennett, who was the uh, Minister for Mental Health and Addiction. So we've been doing a lot of good work with her. And so we're like, okay, we're now in a process of having to regroup and to meet, you know, get the opportunity to uh, build new relationships with these new ministers for these different, um, different, you know, files that are responsible for that, that touch on mental health in some way. And so, you know, just recently on uh, August 23rd, we said, you know what, let's get ahead of the, the game a little bit when it comes to, you know, all the news cycles that come through starting in September. And of course, um, we have uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation in, in September. And so we wanted to make sure to, to leave space for, you know, the important work that's being done um, when it comes to like Indigenous Mental Health for Association. With that, we decided, you know what, let's do a press conference. And just really the intent was to um, highlight it and then to relaunch the importance of removing tax um, to, to these new ministers. This is important and this is of significance for a few reasons. You know, the first is we're in a huge period of inflation, right? And I'm sure we have many friends who are, or family, family members or loved ones who tend to put, you know, it'd be very common to, to put our own needs kind of last, right? I, I often hear, you know, I also work with clients as a, as a psychotherapist myself, like it can be so hard to, to prioritize our own mental health when we have work and family responsibilities, right? Or we're studying for exams, try not to pull our hair out, these types of things, right? We're like, okay, let me just finish this paper and then I'll look for a therapist after, right? So it could be like, it doesn't make a priority list or it's just so expensive, right? So maybe you have access to mental health services on your campus, but maybe there's a six month wait. You're like, well, this perfectionism is not gonna work on itself and I would like to be able to function normally in the next six months. And then so we start to look on, you know, to find a therapist ourselves and pay out of pocket. Paying out of pocket can get really expensive, right? On top of, uh, you know, rising uh, uh, rent prices and produce prices and gas prices, right? So for us, it's like, right? So before, even before the pandemic hit, there was a lot of research come out that shows that Canadians are feeling that um, being able to access uh, counseling services and psychotherapy services was their most unmet need. This was back in 2018. Um, and so, yeah, we want to just be able to um, support the government with their work, you know, in, in really showing Canadians that they're listening to their mental health needs by helping to make therapy a little bit cheaper, right? So if you're paying, you know, 
a hundred dollars a session, which is on the lighter side these days. Um, if you're if you're using a sliding scale fee structure, right? Let's say hundred dollars, and you have thirteen dollars tax. Well, if you're going for therapy every two weeks and you do the math, that's obviously not my specialty working in um, advocacy and in, in, in politics, right? But if you do the math on that that can lead to an extra number of sessions, right? Maybe four or five sessions if you're able to afford it just by removing the tax. Um, So we think that's pretty significant. Thompson said that she is hopeful the government will listen and exempt HST and GST tax on mental health services. That's our show. You've been listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Gabriela silva This episode was put together by myself. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.